What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. Tigers news today and pretty much exclusively Tigers news. Nothing too groundbreaking, but there were comments made by A.J. Hinch and Al Avila, respectively, that I did want to talk about because I found them pretty... Pretty fascinating. Avila, always very accessible and media-friendly. I mean, he's pretty upfront, flaws and all. The guy speaks to the media on a consistent basis and seems to have a pretty good relationship with the media and is pretty open, unlike the guy who owns this team, Chris Illich, who's the, the Poxitani Phil of Major League owners. He comes out once a year to make a statement, and if he sees a shadow, we get six more weeks of winter or something like that. I don't know. I find that I think that is right, sidebar here. Groundhog Day to me is the dumbest American tradition in the world. In the world. But I digress. I do want to focus in uh, in this first segment on a guy I really like, and that's A.J. Hinch. He talked with Al Leiter and Matt Vaskersian on MLB Network yesterday. And, man, I, I know we're in the honeymoon period, and I know I was as high on the Hinch hire as anyone. I don't apologize for that. I don't think I'm a moron for being high on the on the possibility of the Tigers uh, getting a guy to manage the team who's won a World Series and made it to another. Like I, I don't th- I don't think I'm out of my mind for being excited about that. But you watch him when he speaks, and look, I didn't hate Ron Gardenhire. Ron Gardenhire, nice guy, a good soundbite, media friendly, yada yada. But AJ Hinch. I think the general consensus coming from all camps that have worked with this guy is that he's a really great communicator, and he's a smart guy. And this minute 38-second snippet that I listened to of him talking to Leiter and Vaskersian on MLB Network really did impress me. And the, and the, the question that Al Leiter asked was, what are you most excited to see coming into this season? Who are some players that maybe you think might catch people by surprise? And I I really appreciated his response. The first thing he said was that when he interviewed for the job, he told Al Avila, this thing won't get right unless this pitching gets right. And right away, I'm like salivating listening to this quote because he's absolutely right about this. And I've I've said this from the beginning. Look, I think Torque and I think Green are going to be wonderful players. I, I think developing position players, it is easier than developing pitchers. I've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast and on many other podcasts as well. But this machine, this idea of a rebuild completely breaks down if these pitchers don't develop. Now, if, if one of them doesn't pan out of the big three, you know what? Fine. But I honestly, I think they need at least two of them to be solid major league pitchers. And I think they need one of them to be, you know, close to an all-star caliber talent, to be completely honest with you. I'm not saying they need to be Hall of Famers. I'm not saying they need to be winning Cy Youngs every year, but you are basing an entire rebuild around your starting pitching. And if that falls apart, you're in deep trouble. Because Chris Illich has shown in the past that, at least up to this point, that he's extremely unwilling to spend money. Which means you got to build through the farm. But A.J. Hinch used a word that has not been used in this organization for so long. And that is the word identity. This is something that drove me nuts in the Garden Hire era. But it, it drove me even more nuts in the Osmus era. Because uh, Gardy was given nothing. Osmus was given a lot. And one argument that was brought up multiple times when he was here was that this team doesn't have an identity. 
identity. You look at the teams that surged when Brad Ausmus was the manager in Detroit. And, like, I didn't like Ausmus at all. I'm not blaming him completely for uh, this organization's downward spiral that they've been in by any means. But you look at the teams that surged within that division. The Royals, 2014-2015, making it to -to back-to-back World Series, winning one and and arguably would have won another if not for Madison Bumgarner turning into God in, in the World Series in 2014. Those teams had a real identity. They didn't strike out a lot. They put the ball in play. They shortened the game. They had a phenomenal bullpen. Boom. That's an identity. Cleveland, when they won three straight divisional titles and they made it to a World Series and came so close to winning one in 2016, they had a good lineup. They played good defense. Also had a great bullpen, but they had some great starting pitching as well with Kluber and Bauer and Salazar and Carrasco. Identity right there. If you want to be a good team, you need to establish an identity. And over the last several years, they've kind of just been groveling, waddling in their own misery. A.J. Hinch flat out said, the identity of this team is going to be starting pitching. And he brought up Spencer Turnbull, and he brought up Mize and Scooball and said, these are the guys that we want to get right. He's excited about having Chris Fetter be the pitching coach here. I am as well. I think that's a phenomenal hire. I think that's a match made in heaven when you look at Chris Fetter's philosophy as a pitching coach and A.J. Hinch's philosophy as a manager. He brought up the importance of strikeouts, which is something that I don't believe with Rick Anderson as the pitching coach here. Uh, was at the top of the list of most important things for a pitcher. It is. I I know people get get really angry about this and say, why don't you just, you know, try to get ground ball outs because you throw fewer pitches. I'm telling you, hitters are too smart nowadays. Unless your name is Kyle Hendricks, that doesn't work. There's a reason why power arms and strikeout arms are so valuable in Major League Baseball today is because you do not run the risk of human error. Guy swings and misses at a pitch. There is no possibility of him getting on base unless, of course, it's a wild pitch with nobody on base. But that happens, what, once every 100 strikeouts and willing to run the risk. I think the philosophy for the pitchers here over the last several years has been pretty damaging. Now, I will defend Guardy and say it didn't really matter. You know, you weren't going to turn Ryan Carpenter into Clayton Kershaw, but I do believe with certain pitchers like a Joe Jimenez or a Gregory Soto or a Spencer Turnbull, guys with live arms and firm fastballs, these are guys capable of striking out you know, 10 batters per nine innings. And you haven't really seen that from these pitchers over the last several years with one exception. And people are going to roll their eyes at this and they should. Matt Boyd has recorded a lot of strikeouts over the last several seasons. Now, he's also given up a ton of hard contact and a ton of home runs, but he is the one exception. I would say he's the one guy who maybe benefited from Rick Anderson's archaic philosophy, but the numbers still aren't good just because he struck out a lot of guys. The ERA's been crap. You know, the best ERA of his career, I believe, was... 2018, and even then it was, what, like 4-3-something. It wasn't like it was that good. In general, I'm just very relieved to listen to Hinch talk about the identity of this team, because I think that's really important in terms of establishing a winning culture again. And another thing he brought up was that he's really excited about Willie Castro. Now, I haven't talked about Willie Castro that much. He had honestly, a pretty surprising year a season ago. Small sample size, analytics, you look at exit velo, barrel rates support the fact that he was pretty lucky with that 300 batting average that he put up a year ago. But I think Hinch might see something in him. And I was really surprised by how high on him Hinch was because Hinch has also been high on Nico Goodrum and those are the two guys who are going to battle for that starting shortstop position. I just lived under the assumption it was going to be Goodrum and that Castro was going to be a bench player or maybe start the year in AAA. But you listen to what Hinch said here, 
he seems pretty excited about Willie Castro, and he's also excited about the possibility of making Nico Goodrum a utility guy, so perhaps we could see Castro starting the year at short, Goodrum at third, Candelario at first, maybe Renato Nunez not making the team or coming off the bench. You have some options here. Like, if there is one thing, and it's a, it's kind of a backhanded compliment because it shouldn't have taken them this long to do this, but if there's one thing about this team that I do think will be better than last year's team, I do think they are going to have a little bit more depth than they've had a few over the last couple seasons. I mean, that's what really killed them in 2019 is that you started the year with what was already a bottom five roster in the league, a bunch of guys got injured, and then you're calling up guys who should have never played in the major leagues like the aforementioned Ryan Carpenter. So I think Hinch is really going to turn a lot of people around pretty quickly here. Now, the team's not going to be any good. And I think Hinch knows deep down the team isn't going to be very good. But I also think he believes they can be good. And I don't think that's been something that's gone on here over the last several years. And I don't blame Guardy for this, but I do think there's been kind of a culture of loserdom over the last several seasons. I really do think A.J. Hinch is going to change that, and, and these comments really drive that point home. So when I come back, I do want to talk about some comments that Alavila made to the media yesterday. I believe this was in Lakeland. We'll be discussing that in segment number two. We'll be right back. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, and uh, I'm one of them, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked on MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in on what is the uh, technically the official first day of spring training 
right? I believe pitchers and catchers are reporting today, so uh, we got things rolling here. Just wanted to recap some comments that Al Avila made. A lot of guys in the local media were tweeting these, but I'm just reading off the tweets sent by my dude Evan Petzold of the Free Press CMU grad. He, Al Avila talked about Joey Wentz, who's coming back from Tommy John. He's going to be doing pitcher-catcher workouts, which start today. He is rehabbing in Lakeland and is throwing 120 feet. Good. I mean, I, Joey Wentz, I hope, can be a, a key piece of this organization going forward. I really hope they get something for Shane Green. I, I, I don't. I really hope they don't waste what was a pretty transcendent first half by Green in 2019 and get back nothing for him. Avila also said he believes this is the toughest division in baseball, the AL Central, of course, we're talking about. You know, this is where I... I I don't know if Avila is just trying to, you know, rally the fan base or something, or if he actually believes this, because I think there's going to be good teams in this division, but two of them are downright terrible. I mean, the Royals might be a little bit better, and the Indians are kind of trending downward. There's two world beaters with the Twins, who haven't won a playoff game since 2002, and the White Sox, who are up and coming, but just hired, you know, an 80-year-old manager. We'll see how that works out. Uh, the other thing that he said, he's talking about Renato Nunez. Now, look, I have been under the assumption since they signed Nunez and didn't sign Crone, Crone just signed a minor league deal with the Colorado Rockies, that he was probably going to be the starting first baseman. It looks like that may not be the case. Avila credits assistant GM David Chad for signing Renato Nunez. Avila said, end quote, he'll have an opportunity to make the club. We're looking for an offensive punch. He came to the right place. I'm a bit surprised by this. Um, my initial reaction was they don't have any other first baseman besides him. I forgot about Candy. I guess you could still move Candelario to first base, which is is up to them. I liked having him at third. I think he improved a lot as a third baseman. I understand the idea of having a utility guy, of having a guy who can play both positions, and I think that's great, but I also think it hurts a player when you're constantly moving him around the diamond. Now, I'm not talking about full utility guys. Like, I don't think Ben Zobris's confidence was ever hurt by the fact that he was bouncing from position to position, but I think Candelario, when he first got here, excelled in the latter part of 2017 and the first part of 2018 because he felt like he finally had a home as the third baseman for the Tigers. You know, he was going to be sitting behind Chris Bryant his whole career had he have stayed in Chicago. I think he came to Detroit and he felt comfortable, and now they're moving him back and forth again. I hope they make a decision. I hope they either decide, hey, we're going to have you at third or we're going to move you back to first. If you do move him to first, then who's your third baseman? Harold Castro? Willie Castro, are you going to have Goodrum there? Are you going to call up Paredes at some point? I doubt Paredes is going to be on the opening day roster. He shouldn't be. There's also, of course, the other option. If you want to break glass and say, hey, Miguel Cabrera potentially going back to first base. Avila talked about this and said, end quote, if anything, he's intensified the workout routine. He sent AJ Hinch and myself videos of his workouts and fielding ground balls, throwing, bouncing around to show, he, to show us he can still play first base. I mean, it is one of the first signs of spring when you hear or read an article or a tweet that Miguel Cabrera is in the best shape of his career, we get this every single year. Look, I, I know we have a new manager, and I know Hinch is might try some new things. Miguel Cabrera should not be playing first base. I'm sorry. Miguel Cabrera's knees are completely shot. 
It's no different than Victor Martinez a couple years ago, where Victor was on his last legs, literally. The guy could barely walk. They never played him at first base. They shouldn't have played him at first base. We're in the same spot. And I know Miguel Cabrera has a lot of power here. I know the organization loves him. He's done a lot for the organization. I understand and sympathize with all of that. The guy can't play first. And I think putting him at first base is going to end up doing this organization and this team a lot more harm than good. you got three years left on this deal. And you got a guy in Miguel Cabrera who is probably only going to be good. And really, I mean, he hasn't been good the last couple of years. But I mean, like, stable, suitable for one of those years. So you got to try to milk every ounce of good baseball you have left out of this guy. And I don't think you're going to be doing that by having him play first base for 100-plus games a year. Like in, if, in that aspect, yes, I would rather have Candelaria playing first base and run Willie or Goodrum or Paredes out there at third base. I, I really I can't tell you how adamantly against this idea I am. It's also worth noting that at some point in his career, if Miggy would have been an elite defenseman, if Miggy would have been Paul Goldschmidt or, or what Pujols was before he came to the Angels, I'd have been like, you know what? Maybe give it a go because maybe he can bring you something as a plus defender. He's never been a good defender. He's been passable. He's made up for it by being one of the best power hitters ever, but I don't know. I don't like that idea, and I know he's trying to get the organization to buy into it. I I bet they will at some point. I don't know for how long, though. I don't think it's a great idea. I would prefer he sit on the bench, bat four times a game, and, and call it a day, personally. I, I don't think he's healthy enough to do it. I don't think he's effective enough as a defensive player to do it. Now, I think Candelario might be more valuable at third base, but he showed he was a more than capable first baseman last year. You know, he, he adjusted pretty quickly. Last comment that he made is that we're always going to be an organization that tries to promote and develop our own guys. Okay, that's that's true. But at the same time, we know we have to bring in players from outside. Next year, the winner of 2021 going into 22, I think we can add more to the organization. Okay, look, he's saying all the right things here. Two years ago, he also said that after 2020, things will be different. It wasn't. This has been a terrible offseason for them. Now, in theory, I, I want to believe him. I want to go with him. But I, I think we're at a point now, and I don't blame any fan for feeling this way. I think we're at a point now where it's, all right, show me. I will believe it when I see it. I will believe that this organization is back to the days of, of spending money on big-time free agents when it happens. We're coming up on five years, and next year it'll be six years, without a single big free agent signing. So, show me. Do something and prove me wrong. Until then, uh, I'm going to have a hard time believing it, to be completely honest with you. So that will do it for today's show. Never a dull moment when Al Avila opens his mouth. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Got some good ones recently, and that really does mean a lot, everybody. And I haven't opened up about this a ton. I haven't tweeted since December 24th, since Christmas Eve. But I do want to say real quick, there will be a return to social media at some point. There is a reason why I've been gone. I've been working on myself. I've been really hitting therapy hard and opening up. And it has allowed me to unearth some things from my past that I have never discussed with anybody. And when you do that, when you are constantly in your own headspace and you are thinking about your life and your past and your mental health, you get to a point where something has to take a hit. Something has to be sacrificed. And getting X amount of likes or retweets on Twitter has never been worth my mental health. It will never be worth my mental health. So I decided to step back. But I, I promise you, 
that I'm making the right decision here with what I've been doing. I know I, I've been very cryptic with a lot of the, the stuff I've talked about, but I'm I'm dead serious about this. I know I'm making the right decision, and the closer we get to baseball season, I will have kind of an official statement regarding the future of me as as a, a broadcaster, the future of me as a personality on social media. I will discuss all that stuff in full when the time is right. I'm just not there yet. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. I will be right back here on Friday with another podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.